Hey, welcome to Life Church. We pray this blesses you and empowers you for your week ahead. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, thank you very much. God bless you. You may be seated. So good. So good to um, be here with you. I've really enjoyed being led uh, by uh, my son and this great team. Uh, it's been, we were working out, it's probably been about uh, 12 years since we've shared a platform in this way. So it's quite, quite a while. I, um, I want to, first of all, just start by saying thank you to this church. Thank you to... Uh, Life Church for um, providing an environment. Uh, I'm speaking as a father now, but for providing an, envir- an, an environment for my son to flourish. And uh, it was a big thing for us to release him as we were in South Africa. And it's just been an absolute joy to see that this church has uh, embraced him and he has grown and he has flourished. And I need to also thank you for my incredible daughter-in-law as well, who uh, has, uh, for some reason, decided that she wants to be part of our family. And um, I also want to, you know, add my um, congratulations to Jock and Cheryl, who I 100% believe that they are the right people in the right place at the right time. And God is all over it. So, yeah. Appreciate the opportunity to come and share. And, uh, you know, Jock uh, shoehorned me into this uh, great new series. Um, I don't know, um, I don't know uh, whether it was deliberate or a mistake, but it doesn't really matter because I just felt... Um, the, um, not, not the preaching bit, I think that was deliberate, um, and hopefully it will prove not to be a mistake, we'll see by the end. But during the worship, the click came through, uh, uh, and, and uh, the click is maybe, for most of you, you won't even know what that is. If you serve on the platform in worship, uh, or uh, you sing, or you play an instrument, you're very familiar with the click. Because that is playing every week. Uh, but most of you won't hear it. But that click is what produces um, something which the musicians and the singers are aligned to. So that they present a united front. And I just felt uh, as that happened, whether it was, I don't know how it happened or what, but I just felt the Spirit of God drop into my spirit and to say, I believe that this series, The Art of Table Living, is actually providing an opportunity of alignment for this house. And, uh, and uh, that God is giving you a new rhythm, he is, is aligning you to a new rhythm as a community. And there is something by the Spirit that is causing you to be aligned in a way, a supernatural way, that was, would otherwise not have taken place. So I believe that God is part of this series, and I'm excited to share with you today. 
Jock was very kind and uh, just said, you know, if there was something that you felt that would align with that. And as he said that, something dropped into my spirit and the hints of it were in the song that we heard during the offering. And I'm going to read to you from Second Samuel chapter 9, um, speaking about Mephibosheth and indeed David's kindness to Mephibosheth. And this is what the Bible says. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always." And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants uh, shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. And so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. So there is a little bit of a backstory, and and, and I'm just going to read a a verse which will help us understand that. uh, his father, Mephibosheth's father, had died uh, in battle, and indeed his, his, his uh, grandfather, was, who was the king, was severely wounded, and he was asked, I asked someone to finish him off, and all that sort of thing. But in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4, it says this, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and his nurse took him, took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, she fell and he became lame and his name was Mephibosheth. So we have a situation here where 
Mephibosheth, right up to being five years of age, was fine. And then something happened. Something that somebody else did. There are things in our lives that happen that we do. And there are some things in our lives that happen that are caused by other people. We find that for Mephibosheth, he had life-altering injuries that changed, that changed the course of his life. It wasn't his fault, but it happened. He lived in a place called Lodibar. And Lodibar was not a great, a great place to live. It means place of no pasture. It means not having it can also mean no word or no communication. Lodibar was a pretty desolate place to live. And we, we find that um, uh, David said, is there still anyone of Saul's house that I may show kindness? And he sent people to Lodibar to seek him out. I love this because it shows that it doesn't matter where I am. Uh, it doesn't matter how far out of sight I am. If God causes someone's heart to show you kindness, they will come and seek you out. You do not have to hand out your business cards. You do not have to push yourself to the front of the queue. You do not have to seek to advertise yourself. If you are following God and God, God uh, 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 has a heart to bless you, you can be sure that somehow He will make a way. He will send somebody to fetch you. I want to say to somebody this morning that God says, I see you. You might feel lost and you might feel lonely. You might feel like you're own, in your own personal loady bar in the back of beyond where no one gets you, no one sees your gifting, no one sees your heart, no one sees uh, all the things that you're going through. But you need to remember this morning that God sees you. God knows you. God understands you. And you will need to understand that He will make a way for you. You have not dropped off God's radar. He knows who you are, he knows where you are, and he will make a way for you in the name of Jesus. And I want to say that just like, just like uh, David sought, went to seek Mephibosheth, the Spirit of God is seeking out people. There are Lodibars around Bradford and Lodibars around Leeds and and and. And the Spirit of God is seeking out people. I mean, you could actually summarize what I'm sharing today as this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel. And I believe, Life Church, that God wants to realign you with a new sense, a fresh excitement of the power of the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ works. It changes lives. Some of us need to rediscover our confidence that God is God and He will make a way even where there is no way. He will make a pathway through the sea. He will move the mountain out of the way. He will raise up the valley. He will do what is necessary. He will change the landscape in order to bless you. 
And you need to remember that this same God we sung about this morning, we've sung about it, it is still true. And there are thousands upon thousands of people who are waiting to hear the truth that God saves. There is power in the name of Jesus. I think that just like Mephibosheth for some of us, it's a bit difficult to believe. I think sometimes it's easier to believe that God will do that for everybody else. It's easier to believe for the person next to you. It's easier to believe for your friend. But somehow when it comes to me, it's more, it's more difficult, more challenging to believe. And we find here that, that, that life and Lodibar had absolutely ravaged Mephibosheth's view of himself. I mean, he says, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? I mean, I mean, dog would have done. I think dog would have been pretty rough, but like a dead dog, I mean, that is like next level. I'm not sure it's possible to have a lower view of yourself. Imagine to be, well, maybe for some of you, you don't have to imagine because this is your story. Maybe if you're online today, this is your story that you live feeling almost that you need to apologize for your presence. I've come to tell you today that is not God's plan for your life. I know what it feels like to feel like nothing. I know what it feels like to, to feel like you have no value. I, I know what it feels like to be brought up in a home with no physical affection, with verbal abuse, without any verbal affirmation. I know what it feels like to look back over my shoulder and see a family history that is just one of poverty and of pain. But I've come to remind you this morning that in the same way Jesus seeks you out, he sought me out and he sought me out to bring me out. He sought out Mephibosheth and he sought to bring him out. He didn't, he didn't send a messenger to Lodabar to deliver what he needed to say to him. He brought Mephibosheth out because there are some There are some things that you're never going to hear in Lodabar. There are some things that your environment will be screaming so loud in your ear that it will be difficult to hear or believe the new thing that God is trying to get to you. God will bring you out of an environment into a fresh environment because he's got some new things he wants to say to you. You need to give yourself a fighting chance. That's why I believe. That's why I believe in church. That's why I believe there are all kinds of stuff out there. There's all kinds of messages out there, you know, people deconstructing their faith and all that sort of thing. And and people are wondering about the value of church. I want you to know church is God's idea. There is no better idea coming. The gathered church of Jesus Christ is God's idea. And this is an environment that God will bring out of whatever your loady bar is, He will bring you into an environment with people of like mind, with people of faith, with people who are going to encourage you and spur you on. There are some things that you're going to get here in this room that you will not get on your own. 
And I'm not saying you can't have a good time on your own. I'm not saying that you can't have a good time in your own space. But there is something released when the people of God gather, when they come together. There is something that happens in the Spirit. Because that is where uh, renewing comes. God may get you out of Lodibar, but when I come here, God's getting Lodibar out of me. That place where I I can find hope. Lodibar teaches me not to dream. But when I come into the new environment, when God brings me into his palace, he gets me to hear things that will enable me to dream again. And we see that, that God restored God restored um, uh, Mephibosheth's life and, and, and God showed him, sorry, David showed him extraordinary kindness. Well, God did through David. But I want to come and remind you that, that God wants to show you extraordinary kindness. I know that things have got bent out of shape over the last couple of years. I know that too well. But I've come to remind you that God is God. And He has a plan to bless you. He has a plan to show you kindness. And, and, and even though, even though uh, I tell you that, that, that God wants to show you kindness and He wants to bless you, I also want to remind you because too many of us interpret that the blessing of God means I won't have any trouble, I won't have any pain, and I won't have any, have any challenge. And that is not what the gospel is all about. The fact that I'm not having pain and problem is not proof uh, of, of the presence of God. The proof of the presence of God that I am blessed even in the presence of my enemies, even in the presence of pain, even in the presence of challenge, even in the presence of not enough, God is pouring blessing out. And Mephibosheth, was invited to the king's table to eat like one of the king's sons. And I just want to take a moment to look at some things I felt I wanted to highlight about the king's table. The first thing I want to say is the table of grace. And I say that because you cannot earn your way or invite yourself to the king's table. You have to be invited. This opportunity is by invitation only. Jesus, through the power of the cross, throws out an invitation. But every one of us should know that an invitation needs to be accepted. I can be offered a seat, but I've got to make a decision whether I take the seat. The cross puts you in the royal box because it's not what about you did or what others did to you. It's about what Jesus did and what he has done for you. At the table of grace, you get favor you didn't earn. You know, you hear a lot. You hear a lot about people saying, you know what? It's just not fair. Do you know what? Do you want to know what's not fair? This is not fair. At the table of grace, you get favor you didn't earn. It's not because you're so awesome. 
It's not because you're amazing. It's not because you've lived so perfectly. It's not because you've got it so right. It's not because you're so beautiful. It's not because you're so talented. In fact, it's nothing to do with those things. It's because of Jesus and the cross. This table is a table of grace. This is a table of acceptance. Here at the table, Mephibosheth found acceptance instead of rejection because it was only the sons of the king that sat at the king's table. And through his invitation for Mephibosheth to sit at the king's table, David was declaring him a son. Jesus declares you, declares you a son and a daughter. We have broken bread today. We have taken of the cup. That is Jesus' declaration to you that you've been invited to sit at the table. There is a place for you. There is a place with your name on it. Through the cross, you are declared sons and daughters of the King. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God does not just tolerate your presence. He doesn't just tolerate you. He doesn't just accept that you're there. God loves you. He's passionate about you. He's crazy about you. He's got a plan for you. He is the one. He, 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 he just delights to see you succeed. He delights to see you win. And he is going to help you get there. You are no longer rejected. You are accepted. You are loved. The problem with some of us is that we, we focus too much on the way that we feel. Because it's much easier to believe that I'm not accepted because I know me. I know me better than you know me. I know the things I think. I know the things I say. I know the things I do. I know, I know that, 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 that there are things which would not necessarily draw the pleasure or approval of God. And you know what? I can say those things because I know I'm not alone. We're all in the same boat. But but, you know, we can pretend all we want on a Sunday, but that is the, that is the truth of the matter. But, but we need to remember that God does not reject us. The cross is proof and opportunity that I am forgiven and, and I am being forgiven and I will be forgiven because that is the power of the cross. His blood is sufficient. His blood is enough. It's, these are not just words that we sing. They are truths that we confess. And we confess those truths because they are meant to work on our mind and work on our spirit so that we will be renewed and understand that God is for me. The devil is a liar whispering in my ear saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make it. Maybe, maybe that, that voice is the voice of a parent or the voice of a teacher or the voice of a friend. The enemy uses all kinds of voices, but we need to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. We need to allow the voice of truth to drown out the lying voices that seek to invade our lives. And we need to rise up and say in Jesus' name, I am accepted. I am loved. I am welcome at the table. I have been given 
a new identity. It's a table of restoration. Everything in the natural said Mephibosheth's family name should have robbed him of his future. But when the king decides to bless you, you will be blessed. I know this is not for everybody, but um, thank you for that one person over there who <laughs> encouraged me there with that. But the truth it remains so. This might not be for everybody, but I believe it's for somebody who needs to hear this this morning. Your family name will not rob you of your future. I don't know what's happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know what your story is. But I've come to tell you through and by the Spirit of God, your family name will not rob you of your future. God is restoring your family and God is restoring your name in Jesus' name. My father, when I was growing up, um, used to tell us that he, with a name like Baxter, that, you know, we, our heritage was Scottish, that we came from the highlands of Scotland. And, uh, you know, obviously he didn't have the, he didn't have the benefit of, um, I mean, I believed him, but he didn't have the benefit of the internet and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and, and I realized eventually that this was just a story. In fact, it was a story he believed so powerfully that he called me Malcolm, he called my brother Ian, and he called my sister Heather, all Scottish names. So the story was given power because he believed that our heritage uh, came from Scotland. And um, that's not true. (laughs) At all. So my great, great, great grandmother was born in 1828. In Bingham, which is a suburb of Nottingham. We get about as Nottingham as it gets. And her name was Zilla. And she had a son out of wedlock. And she called him Alfred. The following year, she married Richard Brown. Richard adopted Alfred, but did not give him his name. And... So it turns out that far from being from Scotland, our name, our name uh, comes from a single mum in Bingham. And that son, Alfred, grew up with, I think, 13 uh, brothers and sisters. All of them were named Brown, and he was the only Baxter. His adopted father never gave him his name. Eventually, Alfred married and had a son, William, and William married and had a son, George, and George had a son, my father, and called him Malcolm, and, and, and then I came along. And if I look back over my shoulder, I just see generations of poverty and dysfunction. And as far as I am aware, up to this point, no one knew the Lord. But in 19... 19- 83, I was saved. And two years later, married the love of my life. And we had four children, and they're all saved and in the ministry. And I have four grandsons 
And they're all in church. Although I did smile to myself when I wrote that because at the moment they've got no choice. But it just sounds good anyway. (laughs) They are all in church. The point I want to make is the cross birthed a new breed of Baxter. It doesn't matter what has gone before. The cross has birthed a new breed of Baxter. And my children and their children and their children, they, they will have a different story. Do you know what I love about this? God doesn't need long to sort out generations of mess. Just give him a generation. Just give him somebody who will say yes to Jesus. Just give him somebody who will give Jesus their heart and generations of mess will be undone and he will utterly and completely transform your family and your future. God needs one generation to turn your history into his story. God wants to rewrite your story, your family's story. And finally, the table of transformation. Mephibosheth's legs were not healed. But he was no longer defined by his limitations. I want to remind us that everything doesn't have to be perfect. God takes that which is broken and makes it beauty. He exchanges ashes for beauty. You know, we sang it, we sang it today. The brokenness is covered without any hint of, of mocking or insensitivity. I want us to remember that, that, um, Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Whenever he moved, it was obvious that he was lame. But he was invited to the king's table. As he sat at the king's table, his brokenness was covered. He looked like the king's sons. They used to say, look, here comes that lame guy. Now, they said, look, here comes one of the king's sons. They used to say, look, here comes the addict. Here comes the alcoholic. Here comes that adulterer. Here comes that guy who slips around. But the gospel transforms your life. So that they will say, here comes one of the king's sons. You see, when you sat with the king, no matter how you walk, you walk as a princess. You walk as a prince. The focus changes. Sitting at the king's table sitting in the presence of the king, the dead dog from Lodabar fades away and the prince 
emerges. If we can just get into the presence of the king, if we can just get to sit at the king's table, my brokenness gets covered and that dead dog from Lodabar fades away and the prince, the princess emerges. King Jesus seeks you out and invites you to his table. King Jesus goes into the highways and byways of Bradford and seeks people out to invite them to sit at the king's at the king's table it's a table of grace it's a table of acceptance a table of restoration a table of transformation i'm going to conclude with something that I only felt this morning prompted to do. And I only usually do this at home. But I, I believe I can feel at home here with you this morning. I, every now and again I write, I write poetry and I write a spoken word. And I just felt, I felt this um, laid on my heart to finish with today. And so if you will indulge me. I'll finish with this and hope that it blesses you. The truth is, you don't know the truth. You don't know whether they're still together or you emerged from a one-night stand. They said unplanned your mother and father from the truth they could not be because you see their apprehension fogged their comprehension of a reality that there was a plan beyond their no plan beyond man, beyond time, infinite. The eternal, he knew you, knows you. Before your first gulp of Otu, with your days ordained, he formed your frame, knowing you're not the same. Unique at the peak of his creation, a hit, a sensation. You should take a bow, not bow out. Under the pressure of conformity, normality, you dim the lights, your light to blend with the crowd. You stand in the foyer, expect them to ignore you because that's what life has taught you. You're acting like an extra when you're the star of your own show. Good to go. There's a chair with your name on it, not the musical type where after all the hype you lose, end up confused because somehow you always felt you you were meant to take your seat. But high expectations are brought low because at the audition they said no again and again you limp away in pain thinking am I insane to put myself through this? Here's the deal. Get real. Who are you to feel you're anything but an accident of biology with a messed up psychology and so speaks the enemy of your soul. That's his role to hypnotize and minimize, get you to prioritize everything that went wrong, a sad song, the karaoke version that explains the inertia. But wait, a divine click of the fingers and you're back in the room. Not a moment too soon. It was quite a jolt, but he needed to halt the slow, deliberate erosion of the dream he placed in your heart right at the start. It's time to take your place 
and face the reality that you are more than the things you have become. The stage is set and the world sits not in the cheap seats, hushed in expectation as the curtains open and there you are. They're stare hidden by the glare and you know they're there but fear threatens to bring down the curtain when you're meant to bring the house down. But with strength, not your own, you remember lines you've never learned. Walk in a grace you've never earned. Not a one night stand, not for one night only. You are here for the one and only. And to think life nearly took you out because you had no idea what you were about. And now your voice will be heard, must be heard, because he who is the word has the last word. And you have emerged just like your father, the heavenly one, confidently bringing all you have to the table. No mistake, done with fake, designer made, check the label. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We pray you feel encouraged by this word. We would love to hear from you, so why not connect with us via the website at lifechurchhome.com or on our socials at Life Church Home. Have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.